Welcome to Night School, the podcast where I bring on experts in the fields of science, history, and all corners of academia to discuss the horror films we love. We learn what the movies get right, what they get wrong, and how sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. I'm your host, Graham Skipper, and I am a horror filmmaker, but more importantly, I am a horror fan that loves to dive into the nerdier side of our beloved genre. And joining me today is Alan C. Huffines. Alan is an author and historian specializing in American history. He's the author of many books, including Blood of Noble Men, The Alamo Siege and Battle and Illustrated Chronology, The Texas War of Independence, and A Pilgrim Shadow. He is the military editor for True West and has been historical advisor on a number of feature films and documentaries, most notably John Lee Hancock's The Alamo. Alan, welcome. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you, hometown buddy. I appreciate it. Yes. Um, yeah, Alan and I both uh, hail from Graham, Texas, uh, way, way back in the day. And uh, so, Alan, it's really nice to connect with you here and um, and talk to you about this this film, which I uh, uh, got to rewatch last night. And it's always a joy to revisit this film, which, by the way, we are talking about Robert Eggers' The Witch, in case you forgot after reading the title uh, on your podcast app. But yes, we were talking about The Witch, uh, and we'll get into that in a minute. But Alan, before we dive into talking about the movie, I wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, where your love of history comes from, and, and specifically why American history. I, I think it started specifically with Texas history. It probably started um, at about three uh, with uh, either Disney's King of the Wild Frontier or what we call the Wayne-Amo, you know, John Wayne's The Alamo. At some point, those two films became very important to me as a child. And, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I always recognize that as that's the table, uh, you know, where I came from. That's who brought me to the dance. But I, I, I've moved on quite a bit from that, uh, uh, though it's hard to, you know, remove yourself from the Alamo in Texas. People, you know, keep, keep coming around. But that's all right. <laughs> we remember it. We remember it. It is very remembered. It is. Uh, been on a, I've been on a committee for the past two years about the redesign and all that kind of, uh, all those kinds of things. And boy, but. Uh, uh, I'm sure that's a lot. Are you going to finally add a basement? You know, what's interesting is there are three basements uh, there. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, there, are, there are. That's where all the office space is for uh, so many of the people that work there. You just kind of got to know where they're at. But there are there are three basements. And oh, wow. I, so I would hope it, I would hope someone had Pee Wee's bike down there just as a, you know, at least on a desk, a little model of it. Or, I would or I would something. hope so. Well, I'm glad to know that at least Pee Wee was right. Um, uh, that's that's good. OK, so I'm curious um, as a a historian and, and as someone who um, has obviously been been uh, influenced a lot by films as you've as you've uh, grown into your professional life, uh, what specifically, if you have any, is your relationship to horror films? Um, you know, horror films to me are like westerns. They are uh, they're either unbelievably incredible, or they're the worst thing. You know, uh, you, you know. A, uh, I, I think we, you would appreciate this. Say, uh, you know, there's uh, if no chicken fried steak is better than a bad chicken fried steak. So, okay, uh, yes, sure. Um, sure. You know, I love chicken fried steak, but that doesn't mean I get it every place I go. Uh, and that's state law in Texas, by the way. But uh, <laughs> uh, the I it's from an early age, again, influenced by media, of course, of some type. I think the first time I recognized horror and evil um, was uh, the nonfiction uh, miniseries Helter Skelter. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, as a, as a, you know, as whatever that was, 73, 74, sometime in there. Uh, but that just petrified me. I remember that someone would go around that that would even be in the back of someone's mind to even behave like that and then the exorcist comes very quickly on you know after that sometime after that i get exposed i don't remember how i got it but uh um uh i i remember the exorcist first as a novel uh which is really horrifying as well and uh uh and then just i was reading salem's lot um i guess i was in junior high 
uh, East Ward for you. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 and the miniseries was on at the same time and it was, it was about two o'clock in the morning. So I've got my little tiny light on and I'm sneaking a read in. And all I can think about is Alex Kittner floating, floating outside my window. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, which is still a horrifying sequence. I, I mean, I mean, that's the beauty of it. That film has aged like wine. It's, it's when it's scary, it's really scary still. And so I went through the house and at two or whatever it was in the morning, searching for a crucifix, <laughs> uh, um, sneaking into rooms and opening drawers and things like that. So I finally found one and I, I uh, mask it, used masking tape to tape it to the top of my uh, top of my bed because <laughs> I just knew I knew Alex Kittner was coming out to get someplace. you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's, he's floating around. <laughs> hey, he got his brother. So what's you know, what's me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had a similar experience when I saw the exorcist for the first time and I was just totally convinced I was going to get possessed. Uh, devil was coming after me. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing how horror can influence you, especially at that age. Uh, and, and just really, really dig in, uh, dig its claws in as it were. Um, and I know for me, it's never let go. And I guess to you, uh, for you, maybe it hasn't as well. Uh, for for very specific things, I mean, it's got to be very good. It's got to be uh, new and fresh. Um, in my mind, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, for me, isn't a horror movie. Um, that that that's lunatics doing what lunatic. I guess lunatics do. I don't know any, but uh, uh, certainly homicidal ones. Uh, uh, I I that's not hard to me. Uh, the Howling, the original Howling, uh, was horror. Uh, the novel, especially, uh, was horror. Uh, um, American Werewolf, sure. Um, those kinds of things. At some point, I fell in love with lycanthropy, and and that I don't know. I don't know why or how, but something about you know maybe it's the Germanic blood with the. Uh, you know, the berserker spirit of the, you know, those are your first werewolves that we can record. Uh, probably where it com- all comes from out of European mythology or yeah. the, you know, uh, which, which Eggers does in his newest film. He does a great job with that. Well, with I, that think, I think that's a great segue into talking about the film today, because obviously there's a lot that's rooted in the old world, sort of meeting the new. Um, so uh, you've already sort of touched on this, but um, when, when I first reached out to you about about recording this podcast and I asked you what movie you wanted to talk about, the very first words out of your mouth were The Witch. So why this film in particular? Um, I think Eggers uh, has said it himself, his true north is always going to be history. Uh, his three films have been historical films. Um, and and as a uh, material culturist within history, that means I like buttons and cloth weaves and weapons and all the kind of details it, it, it's as perfect as he's the, the probably the greatest colonial movie just as an aside colonial movie and i know that's a dirty word in some parts i don't mean it to be i'm just i don't know what else to call that period uh it's probably the greatest ever made hmm. removing all the horror removing all the subject matter just because he 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 is so relentless on movies like that you don't need a historian when you have uh, the art director doing their work and, and wardrobe doing their work and things like that. There's no one, there's no need for a historian that when they're that detailed, obviously he used them. Um, but I, I can really find no fault with it uh, uh, his, from a historical uh, material culture uh, background before we even get to the horror story. So, and in the first few minutes of the film, when I was watching it, I went, Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah yeah somebody, i mean that's, somebody that's really did their work that feels rare to me uh you know to to have something that's sort of uh uh so so perfect in its um in its representation of of actual history you know so often uh and and from doing this podcast certainly i've learned that obviously movies take a lot of liberties you know it's it's about telling the story first and so if you need to fudge some stuff you know that's okay um so it feels like that's really rare for uh, uh, for someone to get it right on this level um, and, and to focus so much on the details 
uh, that I think, you know, as I watch it, you know, even though I'm not an expert in it, uh, it still helps fill out that world so much for me. And it makes it, it makes me that much more connected to the characters and that much more invested in the plight of what's going on in their lives. Cause it feels so real. You know? Well, I think, I, I, I think that's, uh, uh, I think that's his intent. I mean, I think he appreciates the history and wants to put you in that environment and wants you to be a part of that world. And the way to do it is to force it on you. Yeah. And he forces it on you with brilliant use of, of period dialogue. Um, yeah. That, he never departs from that. Yeah. I mean, and, that was one of my questions about the film in general. So we could just sort of hop right in, but talk about the dialogue a little bit. Obviously, um, it's very, I guess we call it stylized, but uh, you're, you're saying that that's pretty accurate to how people would have spoken back then? Absolutely. I mean, Shakespeare's not writing fancy. He, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's writing in the language that they, they, they speak. I mean, we call it Elizabethan English. I, I, uh, he, is, he is brutally loyal uh, to the dialogue uh, of the era. It's very Shakespearean. I mean, that's obvious. That's, but it's also very, uh, you know, Cranmerian. Um, uh, Cranmer, who wrote the Book of Common Prayer, uh, which these Puritans would have burned in a big fire, but uh, <laughs> that's still their language, you know, and that's why, I mean, for Christians today, their prayer language is very King James. You know, they may, they're not reading necessarily, although a lot do still, uh, they're uh, using various, you know, there's a million denominations now, but most Christians, when they pray, go back to that King James prayer language. Whereas at the uh, time, at the time they would have gone to the the book of prayer that you were talking about, it would have been a different uh, sort of base for them. Well, it, it, it depends on the, you know, the, the, the Puritans are, are, I don't want to get into that whole conversation as to define a Puritan, but uh, uh, they're, they're basically people who want to purify the Anglican church. And one of the problems they have with it is the, Book of Common Prayer, which the Anglican, the Episcopalian Church still, uh, you know, the Reformed Episcopalian, all those churches still use, um, even though there's modern versions. You know, my version is a, is a 17th century one. Um, and uh, it, it, they were in, they're in America in large part because of that book, uh, because of, uh, of, you know, King James and Cranmer and, you know, the, the, the um, all the manifestations that are occurring in England on the Reformation. I mean, we kind of think of the Reformation, Martin Luther, you know, doing his bid and in, uh, in the Thirty Years' War and all those kinds of things. But England goes through its own particular Reformation uh, that I think you could say uh, uh, peaks in the Jacobite rebellions of uh, you know the 18th century, uh, where it's still Catholic versus Protestant. You know, we we it's not just that we want a Scottish king on the throne; we want a Catholic. Scottish king on the throne. So that's still ongoing. And the Anglican church for many Puritans is Catholic light. Okay. Um, what, what Elizabeth did uh, was uh, it's going to look just like Catholicism, but we're not going to answer to Rome. Hmm. So Anglicanism, Episcopalian, all those things are very derivative. The ceremonies, uh, you, you know, one of my son-in-laws is is Catholic, he can attend an Anglican service and not miss a beat. I mean, it looks like, you know, uh, it's going to be very, very, especially high Anglican. And that's part of what the Puritans are. They're really not in revolt yet. And they're certainly not after, you know, we kind of look at the, oh, they're here for freedom of religion. Well, freedom for their religion. (laughs) Right, right. They're, They're, you know, they're not trying to create a, uh, First Amendment city on a hill here. They're, they're, they are fleeing, um, but uh, fleeing, fleeing pers- genuine persecution, but they are uh, not setting up so, you know, a, a, a Methodist church could move in next door or a Catholic or whatever. Right. You well, know, well like- or, they don't want that. They, they believe the Puritans, the purifiers, that is the they they are on the right. I mean, this is a history of religion. They are on the right course, and everybody else is wrong. Right, right. And and as we see at the beginning of the movie, you know, our our family of protagonists 
they're getting exiled from from their their community. I think they call it the plantation. Um, and it, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but it feels like they're getting exiled because they're they're like even more hardcore than the Puritans are that are kicking them out. And so I'm I'm curious about what what you take all of that to mean, and was this a common occurrence? And like, what what would you have to do to be to be too hardcore, even for the Puritans? Uh, golly, not a religious historian at all, but uh, I, I I agree with you. Something has occurred of a religious argument that we don't see, and we don't know. Is this family more liberal and open-minded about certain things, or or what? I mean, um, the father talks about his preaching. Now, does that mean he's being fired as the preacher of that plantation, or does that mean? I mean, in, in a Puritan's mind, your house was also a church, and the father was the preacher of, the, of that church. So that term is used differently than we would. Hmm. We would, you know, it's not necessarily, the, it, yes, it is the building and there's a preacher who's, that's his job, but the father is also the preacher of his congregation, his home, whatever you, however you want to uh, call that. But so is it something that occurred in the home? Is it something that he's a, he's a public official, you know, and he has gone too far, some direction we don't know, but it's interesting that the camera is on, uh, uh, um, well, it, it lingers on the children. Well, right, but but especially uh, I'm trying to remember Thomas Thomasina. Uh, Thomason. Uh, Thomason. Yeah, Thomason. Thank you. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's on Thomason that whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, to include when they're leaving, and they're going into the forest, and I'll talk about the forest and its threats and to, to these people uh, in just a second, but. She, like Lot's wife, she turns back and looks upon, you know, civilization, society. Mm. Uh, because what we know about Thomason is she wants, she wants, I mean, obviously by the end we find out that she wants these pretty things. She wants to be worldly. She wants to be, uh, she wants eggs and butter. Right. Uh, well, she, and, she, and she wants she, glass. She loves the glass windows of England. She wants to be back home. She talks about a lot. Yeah, I, 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 she wants, she has earthly desires, uh, which of, of course, you know, uh, I don't, I haven't seen anybody turn down any money lately in my family. I haven't been offered any, but, uh, <laughs> you, you know, in, in my, in my, my worldview, God has decided I'm not going to be rich and that's, you know, I'm just going to have to, <laughs> uh, uh, survive at that. But he, uh, it just struck me that that's Lot's wife. You know, mm-hmm. Lot's wife turns back and looks on Sodom and Gomorrah, not in an, even though God has told her not to, not in a direct disobedience to God, but in a longing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where stores and shops and things and merchandise and worldly goods and, you know, all those kinds of things were uh, that, sh- that she enjoyed. Um, it, it, and, 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 and she wanted more of, and now they're going into the desert. Well, that's what's happening with this family. They're being banished for whatever it is. A religious reason is all he lets us know. Um, uh, um, and I've watched the film several times and I will watch it with dialogue on, and I've never been able to pick apart why other than it's a religious argument of some yeah. sort. And maybe that's all we need to know. Yeah. I mean, it feels like like you know the bottom line it, from what you're saying with puritans is that if you don't agree with them exactly then you're wrong and you're out um and and so it feels like maybe we do, it doesn't matter like we shouldn't even care really why they're getting exiled only it's that they are exiled that matters correct i mean he's it's it's something of a religious nature that went against the well the body politic okay he's uh yeah, you know, he, he's said something that's upset the apple cart. You know, you know, I was going something. The number one fear, of course, is dying. Uh, the number two fear is public speaking. And and the reason is, is because when you honestly public speak, the community can murder you in other ways. Hmm. They can kill you in other ways. They can ostracize you. So that is why that fear is ingrained in us. 
Hmm. Um, and obviously the father doesn't have that, you know, that fear. He's, he's very bold in his religious point of view. Um, you know, but, but maybe he's the moderate in that plantation. Right. You know, right. That, that we don't, we don't see in there, you know, you're, you're, we don't know. He could, it could be anything, but you know, when they leave the plantation, their back dropped immediately against a forest. And then we see them building their, their, their home. And then we see, I'm sorry, we see them dedicating sort of themselves in that open area that he's going to cultivate. Mm-hmm. And they're facing towards the forest, you know, and all holding hands and all looking up. And what's I think missing on today's audience, um, the forest is a place of great fear. Um, it, it, it depends on the culture, your European culture. And, and that's what we're talking about right now is European culture. I, I appreciate there is a massive story of other peoples in this period, but they are not a part of that's not a part of this narrative. So, uh, um, um, and, and I recognize that uh, uh, we've been neglectful collectively uh, for including those people uh, in, in their own history. Hopefully we've, we've turned a corner and we're correcting uh, some of that. It won't ever be corrected fully probably, but we're, we're doing that at any rate, you know, England's Anglo-Saxons are farmers, they're yeomanry. Uh, They come, they take over the Island. uh, They push all the Celts out and they immediately clear the land for farming because things, one of the reasons is things live in the woods the woods are dark and dank. You can't see. These are people that still believe that fairies and imps and elves uh, lived out there. That there were that the, the, the forest was a foreign country. Uh, this is most, you know, the entire history of the world, Western world, was determined in September of nine A.D. Uh, at, at a battle called Varischlag or Tudorberg Forest. And one of the reasons is the, the Romans were terrified of woods. Hmm. You know, they, they, they like urban planning and schools and <laughs> paved roads. I mean, I mean, we're effectively Romans today. We crop our hair short. We, we, we have this set of rules that makes us America, Roman or America, whatever you want to do in that. But, and we go and we say, we're going to take you over and build a school. You know, and we're going to we're going to, you know, build a road and we're going to do those kinds of things. Well, they had a dread fear. I mean, the, the forest was where Pan lived and all the things that go with Pan. And the Germanics are completely reversed. to That that is their home. They're extremely comfortable in the woodlands. Now, the Anglo-Saxon is a Germanic, but they've long lost that. So the, they've gone back to more of a natural worldview uh i'm sorry i'm more of an urban worldview even though they're in the wilderness quote uh and the forest is a dread thing i mean the forest represents the unknown you know everything now you and i being from northwest texas we don't see a lot of forests but uh, <laughs> you know we have to go to other states uh, to, to, to see a good size forest or east texas uh but i mean think about it today you like to be in the middle of the woods at night? No, no. <laughs> uh, 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 that's a natural response. That's not a cowardly response or any kind of, or your scary person or anything else. That's a natural response. And horror movies use that specifically, but it is ingrained in us to be fearful um, of that. Uh, I, I don't know if it's evolved in us. I don't know what the word there is, but you know, it, it's just as we become more urbanized and living on a plantation is certainly urbanized for uh, 17th century uh, America. Um, and you're out of that. Yeah. And, and especially and this and a lot of that comes from James the first. James the first wrote a book on witches. Um, and. Uh, of course, he did the King James. I mean, he's responsible for the King James Bible, uh, and 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 things like that. And he's the, he's uh, the first Scottish king of Great Britain, 
uh, and is a Protestant and completely embraces the Church of England um, uh, as a Scotsman. And, and uh, he hates witches. That's why in Macbeth, the, the witches are the most evil. Um, you know, even in Harry Potter, um, which is a, uh, have you ever listened to the sort of the chorus of the soundtrack of Harry Potter? Uh, I, I'm talked? sure that I have. I, I'm, I'm not, uh, certainly not in a long time. Well, it's, it's, it's the mantra from Macbeth. Oh, interesting. Boil, boil in trouble. Oh, huh. That it's the witch's mantra, which if you read is awful. <laughs> you know, it sounds like they're just bowling on toads, but no, like it's sailor's thumbs and all kinds of babies. It's all sorts of horrible hearts. things. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's, I, I remember watching one of the Harry Potter movies and I caught that. And it's, you know, it's sort of the theme music. It's the main thing that they go to, like Star Wars has the Imperial theme and, and so yeah. forth. And, and, and I just was like, golly, did they read all of that? You know, that's, you know, those are some of the harshest words that Shakespeare ever wrote down. But he did that to please King James. I mean, because huh. King James was, was Scottish. Uh, Macbeth has a, depends on who you talk to. And, 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 and uh, that's out of my field, but, you know, has a, Mixed history as as a king in Scotland, um, and uh, as many kings do and did, and so he's interested. It's, it's Scottish nationalist story with these witches coming in and doing it all, and I that's not a fake. That's not a, and I'm not saying Shakespeare believed it, but people did, absolutely did, and that causes. A large part of the 17th century. I mean, you you have in Great Britain, you have the Witchfinder Generals, sure, uh, 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 which is a interesting movie of its own about hunting witches. Yeah, um, you know they were they were military officers who hunted down witches, and they had their tests and everything else. And just for the record, I'd like everybody to say: in North America, we never burned a single witch. Okay, right. that did not take place on this continent. That that's a European thing. Now we hanged them, we corroded them, we we crushed them to death with rocks, we drowned all sorts them, of horrible all things. Sorts. Right. Yes, but we did not burn them alive. Okay, so uh, that's just I feel a need to say that because <laughs> talk, people talk noted. about the Duly burning noted. witches at Salem, and I'm thinking, no, they did they didn't do that. They they certainly um, cleared the decks of a lot of women and men i mean which which to us has a gender to it and it's really not it's it's it doesn't mean that at all and uh and that's because men are right because witches are very sexualized creatures you know with the broom representing a phallus and all you know all kinds of things at least in the man's view of at that time period but it's uh uh they certainly lots of men were uh were uh punished and executed for being witches as well so well let's let, i'm curious about you know let's obviously get into the the witch talk here because so, so so that i'm clear um you know king james is writing this book about witches shakespeare's writing about witches and all that is contemporary to what we're seeing right is that all happening around the same time as the events of the film yeah charles the first is is king at this point uh it's 1730s i don't think they give us a year so they're part of that second uh, Mayflower migration. Okay. Uh, you know, you've got May, Mayflower in 1620. They go through everything, you know, Pilgrim's Thanksgiving, you got all that. Okay. So you're, not, those are not Puritans. Those are separatists. Hmm. They are, they want to set up a Christian theocracy, you know, just for themselves and sit inside of it and not sin all day. <laughs> right. And, 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 and uh, you know, you know, my favorite sin is yours. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the sin I want to talk about is the one you're, you're doing all the time, not the one I'm doing. Uh, so that eventually be, is somewhat successful. So it's followed by a bunch of Puritans um, who are not separatists. They, they, you know, they, they, they support a kingly view of things. I mean, that's going to change as Parliament becomes more Puritan. 
and the uh, what's what's wrongly called the English Civil Wars and needs to, should be called the British Civil Wars because it involves Ireland and Scotland. I mean, it involves the entire Great Britain area. Uh, but that's coming. Um, so you're going to feel the tension uh, of that kind of thing going on, uh, which is don't have anything to do with it. But there's still, you know, Cromwell was a big believer. I mean, you know, and he his Puritan forces, you know, at least temporarily. Uh, win the English, uh, the British Civil Wars, but uh, they be- they absolutely believe in it. But they they believe in fairies and, and elves and 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 those kinds of things too. They don't. First thing they do when they see a tree line is they want to clear it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one is uh, obviously for land. It's it's it's. Uh, uh, it's very difficult. I mean, you need arable land with no tree stumps and things like that. But it's, I don't know, it's like that TV screen, you know, with uh, the Japanese movie and the girl or poltergeist TV screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's how they look at the wood line. That's especially at night, especially at night. Um, because they don't know what's out there. And then, you know, there's constant fear of, you know, I mean, there's constant discussions in that period. Is a demon a witch or a witch a demon? Or are they two separate types of beings? You, you, you know, this is far side, heavy duty academic discussion uh, for a lot of these people. And I, and I want to say that the, the uh, before anyone says, well, these are just a bunch of yokels, you know, out doing their thing. They're not, they're highly educated for the era. Uh, they're, they're, you know, literate, which this movie kind of plays with a little bit, uh, but they're literate if for no other reason than they can read the scriptures. Um, they are academic to a fault, but only on one book, you know, and then there's some pure, there's some Puritan readings that they come and go. Pilgrim's Progress is the most famous of the Puritan works and that's that's much you know that's that's about 30 years later uh, than this book but um it gives you a mindset into what they're thinking some of them are thinking and pilgrim's progress is you know is is a pretty uh for the time uh, i guess the term would be progressive uh view of how a christian is supposed to operate in in the societies and today and things like that um i'm not sure cromwell would have would have approved of it but uh, anyway, we're talking about Europe and we need to be talking about North America. I know he wanted to film it in, 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 in the United States and he couldn't. He had to film it in Canada. Mm. Um, I think that's for all, all those tax purposes and all those yes. kinds of. Yes, I imagine so. But, but, you know, I don't think it hurts the film at all. I never once went. Well, that's not. I mean, it's still a North American forest. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it looks. Yeah, it, it, it feels, you know, it feels at once very familiar and also really otherworldly. Um, which I think is, you know, a testament to the filmmaking um, and and also to, you know, there's, and, and this actually happens a lot in Shakespeare plays where, you know, once you remove the people from civilization, you know, that's where all the magic stuff can happen. Um, and, and you definitely get that very palpable, you know, even though we're only in civilization for a very brief amount of time, um, at least me, when I'm watching the whole time, I'm going, oh man, just get in your cart, go back to the city. Like go back to town, leave all that corn, you know, get back there. Um, I I want to uh, real quick, uh, before we get back into the witches, which which I think is going to be obviously, you know, the the bulk of of our remaining time here. um, I want to talk a little bit about that silver cup that is so dear to the mother um, that that the father steals and, and, you know, sells. I was just curious, is there, how valuable would that have been? Like, is there sort of a modern day equivalent that you can think of for, for like a family like that to have a silver cup? Well, obviously it's the emotional value she puts on it is very high as you can sure. tell by the mother's reaction. I mean, she blames the oldest daughter. I think the sin with the father is not selling it because his job is to maintain his family and, and have them prosper as best he can. I think the, you know, the sin where I saw the father was letting the daughter take the blame. And, you know, standing there and doing it to me, I mean, it's, sin is in wrongdoing. I'm not trying to preach or anything like that. Just saying that that's that's where he fails. And, and 
you know, as she points out to him, the only thing he's good at is cutting wood. Yeah. Uh, you know, complete failure. You know, I was he a failure at preaching? You know, was that part of, the, you know, is that the first thing? And then he's obviously a failure at farming. Or is that because of some sort of condemnate, condemnation? We don't know what's going on. Um, but like in terms of in terms of like monetary value, I guess I'm just I'm curious because obviously this is a lot of a barter uh, community as well. You know, you're going to trade corn for pelts and stuff like that. Um, oh, I think I think I mean, it's it's a it's a precious metal. It's a silver cup. I don't think it's ever stated, but it could be her christening cup. It could be a communion cup. Um, uh, it uh, the only time I think you see it is when she wakes from her dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just happens to be there on the shelf. And of course, you know, the children are both the children are alive and, right. and then the growth scene and all that kind of things. So, so, uh, it's obviously dear to her if she puts it back, mm-hmm. you know, along with her children, you know, right. she's not only dreaming about her children, whatever that's going on there. I don't know if it's a dream or what, you know, right. what, whatever situation is going on with her mentally. Um, the first thing we see is not the children. The first thing we see and Eggers does his brilliant job of not focusing on it. You know, the mm-hmm. camera, if you're not looking, you, you miss it entirely. So, yes, yeah, so, I mean, there it's a, it's a precious metal. It would have had, and they would have appreciated that. And that's, uh, you know, why he traded for what he traded for. Um, um okay. All right. Thank you. That's, uh, yeah, I, just, I mean, they, to, they, to me, this, the subject is that to me, I, I guess the narrative point is there is that we keep having, if she's, if Thomas is not a witch already, you know, if she's, and I've, there's different, please no letters. There's different schools of thought on whether she's already a witch and she's part of the, she's the problem or whether she succumbs to temptation. But this is a case of a parent of an adult failing her. Right. Right. And so you have, her mother trying to kill her um, in a very vicious scene. Uh, her mother blaming her for seemingly everything that goes on around that house, good mm-hmm. or bad. Um, and and then her father, who you know, that's his firstborn. That's you know, that's that's his first daughter. That's a that's an interesting relationship. And the mother even includes you know accuses her of tempting not only the you know the dead brother but um, the father. Um, you know, with her tempter's ways. So we've got, she, who, where does Thomas have a place to turn? You know, I mean, there's only one goat offering her butter. And, uh, you know, I, I might have turned to that black goat the same way she does, you know, given her, her circumstances. Well, she's constantly in prayer. Uh, we see her in prayer quite a bit. You know, and Anya Taylor has those just, baby eyes i mean just just she's so bright-eyed and, and uh, uh perfect when in any role i've ever seen her in uh, she completely inherits it, it, it just um to include um, the northman um, um but she, she she's constantly in prayer asking for grace. she's the only one that's asking for grace from god Everybody else is asking for particular things, protection or safety or something. Mm. She's asking for grace and forgiveness and maybe in her world. And I'm not saying I agree with this or not. I'm just saying this is a point of view that she's, this is all failed. You know, God hasn't shown up with anything just to her, to her very young impressionable self and her parents have failed her. And, you know, the, she, you got the baby and you got her little brother and the twins, you know, the twins prove what the Comanches believed about twins. You know, the Comanches would go down and drown one of them. Oh, wow. Okay. Why, After why, I why, got, why, why was that? Like, what was the thinking behind that? Well, I, I think the movie shows you why that. <laughs> Those twins are impossible. <laughs> okay. I, I have four children. I, those kids, those goodness gracious. Uh, you know, Mercy and Jonas, and, and, you know, and Jonas is sloth. All we ever see Jonas doing is what Mercy tells him to do. Mm-hmm. And we see him sleeping 
a lot of the time. And there, there, there's some seven deadly sins thing going on there as well with that family that I haven't quite, you know, cracked. But I think Jonas is probably sloth. Uh, I think I think if any of them were witch like to me, it was, it was mercy. I mean, that I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, I feel like Mercy's the one that kicks all this off. Well, she's certainly the most dislikable of the, uh, <laughs> you know, if the, you know, I think the witch is ready to carry her off. But, uh, you know, and, and it, it, the thing with the with the baby at the first of it, it, what's important there to them is that is an unchristened baby. Right. He right. has not been through the rite of infant baptism. Now, this is going to sound completely horrible. But at the time, the Puritan thought was, one of the Puritan thought was, that if an unbaptized child dies, it might be given the easiest room in hell. That is horrible. Horrible. Well, I think so. Yeah. So we see, we're not even, and and your response is a correct one. We, what are you talking about? That's just the most awful thing in the world. But we just have to look at it and, that's their worldview and i think eggers more than any director i've ever seen he was completely honest to the to the 17th century and those people he did not judge them he he placed them in that era and 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 you went along and he does the same thing with religion and rights and things like that in the north you know you're not allowed to judge these people that 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 put all the children you know, in a building in the Northland and do what they did. You're not there to judge. This is just what they did. So deal with it. And that's a a view of history. I have you, 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 if you clean it up, you cannot learn from it. I mean, you cannot improve from it. You cannot, you know, we're here because they did what they did good and bad. We have our collective morals and values today because they through processes gave them to us you know just you know and how you treat other people and 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 things like that i'm not speaking in any religious frame of mind i'm just talking about decency and and humanity you know that's that's you know we can sit in judgment all of them of them all we want uh but it's not being respectful of the time it's got to be well, well, and I think I think that in doing that too, you know, like we were talking about the when 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 the son is confronting the father about, but what about Samuel as the baby? What about Samuel right. in hell? Um, and the father doesn't even want to talk about him. You know, the father is like, we're not even going to discuss him. We're not not even going to say his name. And it's it's in such stark contrast to the mother who is obviously very very concerned about this and very vocal about it. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, we're looking at this obviously extremely different and, and very, you know, strict puritanical worldview, um, but, but their human emotions are still, are, are still very active and, and, very, and, and the same. And I think that's sort of what Eggers does so well here is he's able to, you know, because we care about characters, right? We care about characters, we care about their emotions. And even though we're in, you know, it could be very easy to be in like a stodgy sort of period piece place as a movie. Um, but Eggers in just dropping us in it and being so strict to how they would have felt, what they would have believed, how they would have acted, um, that then that makes their emotions that much more uh, real to us now. You know, I can really, I, I can understand both of those reactions given their circumstances. Um and I, I just think it's, I think that's what helps make it so powerful. And like you said about Thomason, you know, we still, we care about her too, because she's the one that's also getting it from all angles and is not being helped by anybody and is being driven to make whatever choices she makes, you know, it, it, this film certainly doesn't judge her for turning to witchcraft, you know, in a way the film almost celebrates her for that because it's like, great, finally she gets something nice. You know, finally she smiles. <laughs> finally she feels happy. Um, yeah. So well, I, the twin, the, when she goes to the fire, it's the twins that are burning on the fire. So maybe that's what's going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, she might be happy about that too. I don't, I, 
I don't know if you noticed that, but that's what's going on in the, in the they don't, again, he doesn't focus on it. You know, you just, uh, it's just there. That's, uh, that's, uh, I, I actually have never noticed that. So that's really interesting. Um, I want to real quick. Um, that should make anyone uh, smile that those two twins are. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. um, Can you imagine I, uh, Mercy as an adult? Goodness gracious. <laughs> it would be bad news. Um, so I'm, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, obviously in, all these false accusations of witchcraft, it seems that, you know, once you're accused, it's basically impossible to prove that you're not a witch. Once you're accused, it's like, all right, that's it, you're a witch. We see that when Mercy says Thomason's a witch, immediately the mother and father are like, oh, you're a witch. There's no Mercy, you're a little girl. You know, there, there's, it's just immediate. Um, and obviously with the Salem witch trials, you see all these women that are accused of witchcraft. Obviously they're not witches, um, but but there's kind of no way out of, of that accusation, you know, even to the point of, I know, you know, a lot of the tests to see if you're a witch, well, if you're not a witch, it'll kill you, you know, and, and so there's kind of no way out of it. I guess my question to you is, was there ever a scenario where someone was accused of witchcraft and was found innocent of it? That is a loaded question for a a witchcraft historian and stuff like that, which I am not. Uh, okay. You know, if they'd have fought a battle over it, I'd know about it. But you know, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I very one. My, I would question you on how do you know some of them weren't witches. I mean, I guess that's a fair point. Sure. Um, I, I I am taking a very a very non magical. Uh, secular world. I'm, I'm just saying, as a choice yeah. of religion, as a as a choice of religion. I, I mean, there are people that practice witchcraft by their words. I'm not, you know, I don't, you know, but they 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 have their holy days. They, I mean, everybody's religious. Every one of us, and the humanity is religious. We're going to be religious, and that includes atheism. That includes deism. That includes whatever you capitalism. You know, if money is your god. Or you're going to have a God, you're going to have saints, you're going to have high holy days, uh, and you're going to have uh, texts that are. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I remember, I remember, I remember speaking to a man that said, you know, I've never set a foot in church a day in my life, but I've been going to see Rocky Horror at midnight every week for the past thirty years. That's my church. Well, so, you know, <laughs> that's. Uh, I mean, I've seen it a few times. I don't I haven't seen it that many times, but I've. Uh, uh I, I i i see as a film guy i can go yeah that's a good I, you know who doesn't enjoy rocky horror sure uh but, but uh uh now now you've left me with some earworms that i'm trying to get out of my head so <laughs> um but, it, uh, this is my this is my thought on the movie i think that thomasa is a witch i think she's always been a witch um and and it's formalized at the end that is what i think uh but uh, you know you were asking about witches earlier can you tell me that tichiba wasn't what practicing what they would have called witchcraft sure um and 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 you know mercy to me is representative of those girls and and the crucible right you know she's like a tiny little version of yeah. all those girls. I saw Mary Proctor with the devil. Yeah. And, and, uh, but you know, very early Thomas just says, I am a witch. I'm the witch of the wood, you know, and is she scaring mercy or is she, you know, those are serious things for a Puritan to have said. Mm -hmm. And also mm -hmm. the baby, you know, I mean, a witch as a, it has a form, a witch came up and took that baby while while Thomas was playing peekaboo and we obviously see the witch you know carrying the baby and then we see the witch sacrificing the baby and we see the witch anointing herself uh with with the baby's blood um you know all of which is just horrific but uh how did Thomas uh I mean, it's it's Thomasa does seem to be there when when these things arise. I mean, she's uh, you know, I, I they I mean, how many people do you know that have killed people? One person. 
I mean, you probably I don't, don't know. Anybody. I don't, I don't know that I'd know anybody. Yeah. I, I have a cousin that's on death row that, oh, that wow. killed three. Um, so uh, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't say I know him. I mean, he's a cousin and I learned about it on you know, watching 48 hours, something like that. I went, Hey, Oh wow. That's my cousin. Uh, so, you know, he's faced his justice and he'll get whatever he gets, but uh, you know, and then you add to it, well, how many people do you know that have killed two people? And how is mercy there with the baby? And it's the baby it's, it, I'm sorry, Thomas are there with the baby, the unbaptized infant. And Sam, right? Yeah. Um, and she's playing peekaboo, and Sam's poop. Sam's gone. Mm-hmm. And then later we see the witch, or you know, a female figure, a cloaked figure. We don't even know that it's female or male. And uh, you know, that's when things start. But. You know, I just the, the fact that the camera he keeps the camera on Thomas during the, you know, the expulsion part at the first of it. Mm-hmm. And then when Thomas looks back like Lot's wife, because devil worship or whatever you want to call it, which uh, an enormous amount of it. And I'm. Is just a love of the material. Fine living, good stuff, nice cars. I mean, the, the where that becomes your God, those kinds of things, uh, which Puritans, you know, actively avoided. She is, you know, even at the first, we see her longing for that. I mean, it's, a, you know, the second scene we see is her looking back um, at, the, at, at that. And so I've always felt that Thomas uh, was the root cause of whatever got him expelled and is you know whether she's a sympathetic character or an empathetic character or you know she's got two very godly parents who aren't great parents although they go through a lot i mean the you know the mother takes um that's a lot i mean she she not even a child to bury you know there's so right. who took it was, I don't know. There's about 5 million things going on in that film that, that you can, you can go into. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just want to say like, I think uh, one of the marks of a great film is when you have lots of different interpretations and lots of different readings of different aspects of it. Like for me uh, personally, my reading of it has always been that I, I think that, I think that they went out into the woods, which they shouldn't have done. I think there's a witch out in those woods. And I think that Thomason is driven by the fact that she's constantly being accused, constantly being told she's the one that's wrong. She's the one that's wrong. She's the one that's wrong. That ultimately by the end, when, when this witch and this evil force has completely decimated everything in her family, and still she's the one that's put to blame, that when she's offered finally a bit of comfort, She's like, I'm going to take it. And, and I, so it feels to me like her abuse is what drives her to that eventuality. Um, well, her mother just tried to kill her in the front yard. So, you right. know, that's, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty, not, pretty it, traumatic. <laughs> you're not going to be totally in love with normality at that point. Yeah. I, I would, I, I, I see all that. I, I, I see your point. You know, film is a great Rorschach test. Yeah. It's, uh, um, um, I, I, I agree with everything you just said. It, but I, I see temptation um, and, and, and failure there, uh, along with, I mean, tons of failure along with the whole family. I mean, you, you know, you, have, you, 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 but they go through a lot. I mean, it's not like, oh, gosh, the crop was too bad. That's just one of the things. It's just one aspect of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the, you know, at least they won't be cold during the winter because dad's done all. And, you know, when he dies, I mean, is his, is his God that cutting that wood? Well, uh, look what kills him. When, <laughs> yeah, when, when Black Philip, who the who the twins sing songs to, that is really creepy when you go to the lyrics. Black Philip wears a crown, and yeah, you know. So the twins are in on this some way. I'm gonna keep going back to the twins, ma'am. I'm gonna just keep. There's something going on there. They, uh, 
you, you know, if, if the film has a happy ending, it's those two roasting on the fire. Uh, <laughs> so, golly, they're, they're they, to me, they're at the middle of everything. And I'm not sure if they're supposed to be imps or demons or, or bad children or, or what. They are in on it some way. They know too much. Well, I feel like Black Phillip's really been talking to them. I feel like they're, you know, they're, they're, that if no anything... Doubt. No doubt. Black Phillip is, is... And that's an interesting point. Who is Black Phillip? I don't know what to think about this, but Charles I is king at this time. Uh, Charles I is a Scotsman. Charles I, like his father, is very... We don't think of that way today, but we, they're very into state religion, okay? Germans are Lutheran. You know, English are Anglicans and things, you know, that's that's a part of their national identity. And, and of course, we think just the opposite today. You know, you know, that's a personal private commitment that you make, uh, you know, not that anyone tells you, you you're going to get fined if you go to church, things like that. So, but Charles I is king at this time. Um, he's also he's the one that loses his head during the English Civil Wars. Um and as a big book of common prayer, like his father, you know, even though he comes from, uh, you know, a Catholic and, and somewhat Presbyterian background in Scotland, he buys into Church of England. You know, this is this is we're going to have one state, one state religion. We're not going to be mixed up with all that, uh, which is kind of not what Elizabeth did. Uh, at any rate, aside from royal stuff, a lot of people think that Black Philip because they're Puritans is Charles the first that that's Charles the first boots. Oh, interesting. You, you see, I, I don't know, but I, I, I have friends that are some of my colonial puritanical uh, type friends that uh, are really into that era uh, are convinced that uh, black Philip is Charles the first. Was there any kind of um, historical, uh, I don't know, uh, not relationship, but but would would people have compared Charles the First to a goat or something? Like, was that a was that a thing, or or is it just more that when we see the boots and we in the context, we think it's Charles the First? I I'm not I'm not suggesting at all that that's correct. I'm just it's just an interesting thought. The uh, Charles the First was a uh, was as fervent about his faith as any Puritan was. He just disagreed with him. And, you know, it's eventually the Puritans that cut off Charles I's head. I mean, you know, it's that Puritan revolt that goes from we're going to try to purify the Church of England, hence the name, to, okay, this isn't working. We're just going to take over the you know, Parliament. You know, Puritans take over Parliament, and that formed, you know, and 900 other reasons for the English Civil Wars. But uh, uh, I just thought that was an interesting comment. Uh, because we all we see his gloves and his boots, right? We see his um, gloves and his boots, and we do sort of see his face. Uh, you know, he's got a he's got a mustache uh, when he leans yeah. in, and he's wearing that big white brimmed hat. Um, yeah, that that see that that's where people are coming up with it. My thought would be though, if if it were, he would be uh, Charles the first had a lisp, oh. uh, and he also had a heavy Scottish accent. Oh well, so. He, uh, if you wanted uh, the greatest Charles I that's ever been portrayed was by Alec Guinness, Sir Alec Guinness, in uh, in Cromwell, which is uh, since we're on this topic, is a worthy movie for you to uh, download, and uh, it's all over the. I mean, you can get it on Prime and things like that. But it's a uh, it's a great movie that covers you know a few years after this period, but goes into the socio political things that this movie doesn't obviously touch on because it's not a part of their story, but the ramifications you know what this comes to is cutting the head off the king it, it, it's just it was interesting to me that, it, that that some people think it's charles the first i mean i not think but are convinced that that's charles the first which i think is an appropriate satan guise for a puritan at that era it might also just be satan yes correct it's it's you know the point is he's dressed in the finery of that era right you know he, he's dressed as a cavalier I mean, that, you know, uh, that's uh, very, you know, as a Lord, uh, um, you know, the spurs, uh, you know, everything about him is, is extremely fine for the period. You know, do you want to live deliciously? Yeah. 
Oh, well, uh, I think that that's a, uh, a perfect place to end uh, where we can all ask ourselves, do we want to live deliciously? Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, interesting uh, how everything. Well, do we want to live deliciously at what expense? Right. And hey, Thomas, it gets to fly at the end. So that's pretty cool. Yes, but the uh, but the, because they've sacrificed her to twin siblings, so, which, which is where the power comes from. Which, as we you said, know, so, yeah, you know, maybe an okay trade off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get so much mail from twins. That, that, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pro twin, so don't get me wrong. I'm I'm just <laughs> we are pro we are pro twins here at night school. Uh, it's not if you're a satanic twin or, you know, hey, whatever, you know, we love everybody. Um, well, look, Alan, this has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about this. Uh, and I hope that folks have have enjoyed. I know I have uh, just learning more about the context of the era, uh, what was going on in the minds of the people um, living then. And, and I guess what we learn is that uh, unlike a lot of films that we cover here, uh, Robert Eggers got it right. Um, this is uh, this is pretty darn accurate, um, and and so that's uh, that's exciting. Um, so if you haven't seen The Witch, I don't know why you've been listening this long, but uh, uh, if if you uh, if you haven't seen it, certainly go seek it out. Um, and if you already have, uh, you know, go do like what I did last night, check it out again. And especially with this context of uh, everything that we've heard here, um, I think it's going to be even more fascinating. Um, so Alan, thank you very much. One thing I miss, Graham. And I'm sorry for this. I got all obsessed with the history of it. The Witch is genuinely, genuinely a terrifying movie. Uh, um, yeah. With, without a doubt. It, yeah. it, it, I don't want to take away from its horror at all. Um, but it's so stunning on so many other. I mean, there's, you know, I, I watch everything with the text on so I can so I can get the screenplay uh, that's going on there. But it's it's important here because you because the language you can lose a little bit and not catch because Eggers doesn't foreshadow. He, he, you know, he doesn't do it. He doesn't have any of those kind of tricks or anything like that. He, you know, you get it as you get it yeah. and uh, you, you can miss so much important things, but I just wanted to, you know, this is a horror show, a horror podcast. It is, it is, it, it, it is a fright. In addition to it being the greatest colonial movie I've ever seen. And I think many would agree with that. It's uh, I don't want to get that in the way of it. It is a true horror film. It is. It is. I've seen it. I don't know how many. I won't watch it at night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it, everybody. Uh, and I agree. Uh, the Witch, A+. plus. Oh, you know what? There is one last question that I have to ask before you go. So in the opening, in the opening typeface on the title card of the movie, he spells it with in sort of a stylized way where Witch has the two V's next to each other, right? Now, there's a bit of a debate of when people are writing about the witch, say I'm gonna tweet about it, should I write it the witch, like we would spell it, or should I write it the vvitch? Um, what's the, is that just sort of a, a an interesting font choice or is there some historical accuracy to that? Well, it, 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 uh, there, it was spelled, a W was done like that for, uh, a long time. I don't know when that, you know, English, as we've discussed, English is a changing. I mean, it's a revolving door of language and we get things from all over the place, but uh, it's a, uh, uh, when it went out of practice, I don't know. He claims he uh, took it from, you know, I, I don't find it odd that he used it. Um, you know, I, I think it may be a little dated even for him to have used that, but uh you know, I, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting debate. I'll tell you, if you Google the witch with a W, you're just going to get all kinds of stuff. Oh, sure. <laughs> but but if you Google it with the two V's, you'll get what you need. You know, you'll get. Just tons of great articles about this movie. I mean, it yeah, is stimulating so many. So I okay. when I'm talking about this movie, I always I always respect the, the creator and his 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 title for it. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, debate settled. Um, all right, well, Alan, thank you so much. Uh, before we go, I want people to know where they can uh, find your work. If they want to buy any of your books or read any of your articles, where should people go? 
Uh, well, only at the finest bookstores, Graham, obviously. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and, and all that stuff. It's just, if you type in my name, I'm, uh, H U F F I N E S the, uh, the, the, the stuff should come up, but, uh, you know, I, I just point people to Amazon these days. Um, okay. Well, great. Well, if but you're, thank you for that. Yeah. If you're interested in reading more, please seek him out. And, uh, Alan, thank you again for this, uh, for taking the time and for this discussion. I really loved it. It was great to talk to you. You're welcome. Um, all right, everybody. Well, that's it. Please join us again for more night school next time. As always, our theme music is composed by Michael Tioli. Uh, and, uh, everybody have a great and spooky week ahead. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.